This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. I'm going to let you be seated for just a few moments. I believe the Lord has moved today and He's ministered. The message that I would have been preaching, I just want to read the scripture to you. We're going to receive the offering in a few minutes, and we're going to not extend the service because I believe the Lord has already done what I would have shared with you today. Do you believe it? Today's title, and I'm going to read you the scripture, and again, I'm not going to preach the sermon because I really believe the Lord has, he has impressed the message, and you're going to see as I read to you the scripture The Lord impressed the message on our hearts today. You know, we've been talking about the last few weeks that there is a remnant of God's people. Today, I'm calling it a restless remnant of God's people who are desperate for God. And I hope that you're one of them. That there's a hunger and a desperation that is capturing the heart of God because we're pursuing him. That we're running after him. We're knocking, we're seeking, we're asking, we're pleading for him. And as we do, he's pouring out his spirit on us. Amen. For all of the parents in the house, you know that there's a different cry that our children have, isn't there? Sometimes they cry for what they want. They cry to get their way. They cry if they've, you know, kind of stubbed their toe or, or, or hurt themselves in a little way. But then there is a different cry, and we know that that cry demands our attention. How many parents know what I'm talking about? I mean, something happens, and there is a cry, and it gets the attention of us as parents. Well, I believe that there's a different cry that's rising from the hearts of Christian Life Center. That's rising up from his people that's reaching out, that's pressing, that's soaking, that's waiting, that's knocking, that's tearing. It's an old word that says waiting. And it's saying, God, we need you. Today, I was going to preach from the book of Isaiah. And I just want to read it to you. And I want to, I want to help you to realize what God did already through our worship today. But from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6 is our story. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne. He was high and exalted in the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, Isaiah was a prophet. He was a young prophet at this time. And this is really his call to the prophetic ministry of what God had for him. But can you imagine how many times he had gone to the temple before? And yet this day was a different day. And I just feel like there's something different that's stirring and is moving. We've been in the temple. We've gone to the temple. We've gone to the house of God. We've been there. We've gone there. We've done that. We've heard it. We've seen it. We've been there. And yet there's something that's different. Can I just get an agreement in the house? Hallelujah. Let me help you, baby. (laughs) Oh, we would have been praying for you down there. You going to stay up and preach with me? Nah. (laughs) And here is the young prophet. 
And in this moment, Isaiah sees something different. Isaiah's calling was in a time that's very similar to what you and I are facing today. There was a moral decay. The nation was declining. They were rapidly, rapidly spinning out of control into ruins. People in his day were given over to greed and covetedness, their indulgence, their passions. Deception was widespread. There was pride and arrogance that was rising in Isaiah's day. There was a mockery against God. And there was a persecution against the righteous. See, Isaiah's call, and I believe there's a restless remnant that's here today that God is issuing a call to. His call was to stir an urgency of a warning that was coming from God. That if we don't turn from our ways, judgment was coming. That was Isaiah's message. And the call happened, his calling began to really happen on this day. Now, this was an important day in the year that King Hosea died. He's writing about it later. And why is he remembering this? Is because he was mourning the king, the death of the king. Now, this was no ordinary king to Isaiah. Many theologian scholars say that this was actually a cousin of his. It was one that had given him comfort. It was one that he had probably grown up around. And here Isaiah finds himself mourning the death of a king. The problem was he was mourning the wrong king. And God was going to get his attention. See, he was mourning the earthly king. But God was saying, I am the great I am. And I saw the Lord seated on the throne. He was high. His, his, his majesty. See, what was happening? And it happened today as Isaiah began to get a glimpse of a real king. The king of kings. The Lord of lords. He began to get a glimpse of who the Lord was. And here in this scripture, it goes on in Isaiah to say in verse 2, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And he said, above him were seraphs. Seraphs are angelic angels, angelic beings. And with each, they had six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. Here, they're covering their face because there's a, a, a humility and a reverence that's there. They're covering their face. They're covering their feet. They can't stand in reverence before the king, the Lord. And they were flying with two of the six wings. So Isaiah gets a glimpse of the Lord, and, and that's what's happened today. A glimpse of who he is, high and lifted up, the exaltation of our God and the majesty of our God. As we worship him, we see him on the throne. We worship him in prayer, and we see him in his majesty. We get a vision of who he is, and in that moment, we surrender to the Lord. Man. Can you imagine how many times he had come into that temple? But this day, something was different. And the revelation was that God began to reveal himself to Isaiah. See, what I've come to know and what I would challenge us with today is we cannot see God. We can't get a glimpse of God and have a vision of God as long as there's another king that we're worshiping. 
If we continue to worship the king of this world, the God of this world, the things of this world, the passions of this world, if we continue to pursue the things of this world, we will not see the true king high and lifted up. So he gets a glimpse of him and the seraphs are there and, and they have six wings and they're flying. And then he goes on to say, and they were calling out to one another. And man, we were singing this today. I don't know if our online family could, could feel what was happening in the room, but there was a cry that was rising. Holy, say it with me. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Say it again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. You see, the glimpse of the Lord was that he was getting a picture of the holiness and the glory of God. Where the seraphims are flying and they're crying out and they're leading the, the cry that's there. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Some theologians say that it, it would almost have been like an anthem of worship and praise that was going back and forth. That one set of angels would have been crying and the other set of angels would have been returning it. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So I want us just to feel that for a moment. So right here, right down the center of this auditorium, this side, up and down, we're going to cry, holy, holy, holy. And then this side up and down is going to complete it is the Lord God Almighty. And then together we're going to cry out the whole earth is full of his glory. Are you ready? Online family, I don't know what side you're on, but pick a side and sing it with me. Now, this is, I'm, a, I'm competitive, so this is a little bit of competition here. I want to feel which side. There's about equal numbers of people on both sides, and I see some loud people on both sides too. So we're going to be pretty good here. A little bit of competition. I want to see who's going to be the loudest. Are you ready? So I'm going to start it. We're going to go, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Are you ready? Nudge your neighbor. Say, get on, get loud, get loud, get loud. Right down the middle, right here. If I'm looking right at you in the middle, pick a side, you know, slide to one side or another. Are you ready? All right. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is full. Come on, louder. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and the whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, and the whole earth is full of his glory. Hallelujah. And man, 
on the scripture as Isaiah got a glimpse of that. It goes on to say as they were crying out, the sound of their voices, the sound of their voices in the doorposts and the thresholds began to shake and the temple was filled with smoke. Church, I just want you to know we did that today and worship captures the attention of God. When we worship him and we see him in his glory and we see him in his holiness and we begin to get a glimpse of who he is, there's something that happens to you and I because we get a picture of who he is and we begin to yield and bow before him and sing the glory of the Lord and the holiness of God and he begins to touch us. Man, we sang it, great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of our praise. We got a glimpse of who he is. Isaiah goes on to say in verse 5. Wow. See, something happens when you worship him. Because when you begin to worship him, things begin to break. And I don't want you to forget that the battle is always a battle for our hearts. That there's a battle going on in the heavenlies. And as he was crying out, holy, he saw them, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. There was the realization of the holiness of God. And I don't know about you, but in worship, for me, everything begins to disappear. For me in worship, there is a yielding and a surrendering. It's not about a song, but it's about a yielded heart. In worship, as I declare his holiness and his glory, as I begin to give myself to him. And by the way, I worship him privately daily and corporately work weekly. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the walk of our life. It's a lifestyle of worship to him. But when we do it, everything begins to disappear because we're surrendering everything to him and we're yielding lordship over to him. And we're declaring through those times of worship that not only are you my Savior, but you're my Lord. That you are worthy. That you are due my praise. That I love you and I'm going to worship you. I know that you love me and I'm learning to love you in return. And it becomes a passion of my heart. There's no formula when it comes to true worship. Because it's a passion to be in his presence. Because you're hungry for him. You're desperate for him. You're restless for a move of him. And that passion knows no, no, knows no logic. Because everything is laid before him. Mary with that alabaster box of oil, that, 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 that year's wages, she broke it and she anointed Jesus' feet was, was an act of worship as she was literally yielding and surrendering and giving everything to him. There was no logic in what she was doing, but it wasn't about logic. It was about worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The challenge, the challenge when it comes to the battle for your heart and my heart is the attractions of this world. The attractions of this world are so great 
and they pull us. It's, it's, it's fighting for our affection. It's fighting for our passions and our pursuit and our possessions and everything. And it's drawing us and it's moving us and leading us. So here Isaiah is. Verse 5, he, he sees the Lord. He begins to get a revelation of the glory of God. And man, that's what God was doing today. I'm just walking you through what happened. And then he says, woe is me. And by the way, this was his, that was his cry of repentance. Repentance means you commit to change. You turn away from, you turn to God. And he says, woe to me, for I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. What he was saying is, God, I've failed. I've sinned. I've, I've done things I shouldn't have done. I've, I've lived a life I shouldn't have lived. I've rebelled against you. I've turned away from you. I've not followed your ways and walked in obedience to you. That's what he was saying. I cried, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. But today I got a glimpse. Today my eyes have seen the king the Lord Almighty. You see, when you get a glimpse of the glory of God and you begin to realize that the battle is for your heart and you're yielding everything to him, you cannot get into God's presence, into the holiness of a holy God. To come into the, the presence of God means that something's going to change and that something is you and I. And all of a sudden, there's this commitment that rises out of you. And the commitment is a commitment to say, God, I'm going to change. Woe am I. I'm a man of unclean lips. And yes, I live among a world of people of unclean lips. And the attractions of this world are great. But God, I've seen you. I've got a glimpse of you. And I want more of you. And something's going to change so that I can have you. That's why in Acts 3, it says, repent, change, turn to God, that your sins will be wiped away and that refreshing will come from the Lord. It's powerful. It's powerful. It goes on to say in, in Isaiah, and, and I know they're going to catch up. There we go. There's many slides and I'm skipping them. And that's the challenge. Then one of the seraphs, one of the angelic angels, beings came and flew to me with a live coal in his hands, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth. He touched my lips. And he said, see, this has touched your lips. There's two parts here. Your guilt, your guilt, Sin causes guilt, shame, condemnation. But when you see him in his glory, when you, remember, when you realize that the battle is for your heart, the affections of this world are trying to get your attention, but when you yield it and surrender it and you begin to make a commitment that you're going to worship him and change and you're going to yield everything to him, God begins to do a work and that work is a work of cleansing and it's a cleansing work that brings a healing to you and it begins to deliver you and it removes a guilt and a shame from you because you've been cleansed by him and delivered by him and set free and your guilt's taken away and your sin is forgiven, atoned for. So there's a cleansing and an atoning work of the Spirit of God, and that has already started today. 
One of the greatest phrases I love there is your guilt is gone and your sin is forgiven. Last week, I shared with you the flag and, 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 and the banner, the, the flag of the cross. And do I have that banner? Yeah, there we go. Just lift that banner up. Two, two of you right there. Get a camera on it again. And what I love about it, what I love about it is when the cross touches your heart. Can we get a camera on that? Maybe turn towards the center, Lynette. There we go. When the cross touches our hearts, your guilt is gone. When the cross, the work of Christ, the power of the cross, the revelation that Jesus is the Savior of the world, the realization that he's come to pay a debt, a debt he didn't owe, to pay a penalty for our sin that he didn't have to pay, but he paid because of his love so that you and I could have a relationship with God. When we get a revelation of that, it changes we see him in his holiness and his glory. We see him high and lifted up and we begin to yield and surrender and we begin to declare, I am sinful, but you are righteous and I ask you to break the power of sin over my life. And the moment we cry out like that, our guilt is gone and our sin is forgiven. Because without him, we're ruined. Without him, the weight of sin, the guilt of sin will weigh us down. The conviction, though, when we come into the presence of God, like moments like this, it burns deep within us. He touches our lips and he removes the sin. This is what I'm telling you today is when the cross, the work of Christ touches your heart, the coal is taken from the altar. God touches you. There's bondages yet to be broken. There's sins yet to be confessed. There's a work that God's yet to do in your life and you've got to allow him to take the coal from the altar and touch your lips. And when he touches your lips, your heart begins to burn and the fire of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Spirit begins to touch and change our life. Amen. If you don't know the story, this flag banner was given to me by our Filipino congregation. A Filipino congregation, when we were pastoring in Europe, Vienna, Austria, we had a, a multi-congregational church. We had nine different congregations that made up the one church, and one of them was the, the Filipino congregation. And they would do their flags and their banners as a part of the worship, as you may be experienced today, and it was truly a part of worship. We would enter in with them, and this was one of the banners. And when we were leaving Vienna to come to Fort Lauderdale, they gave me this flag and they said, Pastor, we're believing that as revival has hit Europe and as it hit Vienna and Vienna Christian Center, we're believing that God's going to continue it into Fort Lauderdale and we're giving this flag as just a symbolic investment and representation of what God is going to do. Amen. Thank you, Lynette. Lastly, when I look at this scripture, there's a commitment to change. He touched my lip and he said, see, it's touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. It's gone and your sin is atoned for. And then the next verse, after you see him, after you allow him to cleanse you, as you realize that there's a battle for your heart, it begins to posture yourself for God to use you. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, 
in the year that King Hosiah died. See, he was weeping for the wrong king. But he let the king of kings touch his lips. Church, for too long, we've chased the kings of this world, the things of this world. And God is saying, let me touch your lips. Let me touch your life and let me do a work through you. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for me? And Isaiah said, Here am I, Lord. Send me. And he surrenders to the Lord's call, to the commissioning. He allows the Lord to begin to anoint him. And he'll go on to be a prophet for many, many, many years. Calling the nation of Israel back to repentance. Calling them to walk in the ways of God. Without hesitation, he offers himself to God. You can actually sense the joy and the thanksgiving that was there once he's weeping for the wrong king. But now he's allowed the Lord to touch him and anoint him. And now everything's beginning to change for him. When you look at the life of Isaiah, and it's my prayer in these final moments. Say, God, you would give me, give me new vision. Give me a new perspective. Give me a new desire to walk in you. God, that I I truly see and believe it and hold on to the fact that you're in control of everything. And that, Father, you're empowering me as I walk in you. Today, I was going to open the altars, but we've already done it. And I was going to challenge you to surrender, to align, to, to, to begin to hear the Lord, to worship him, to allow him to touch you, to allow him to take the coal from the altar and to touch your lips and to begin to burn in your heart that you would lay down burdens and worries, that you would allow the fears of your life to begin to melt away, that the power of sin would be broken over you, that you would begin to cry out for a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit and a fresh anointing and a fresh impartation and the Spirit has already done that today. Stand with me across this room. I'm going to invite Charles and the team to come back if they didn't slip away. Charles, for just a few moments, I just want you and the team to lead us. And the anchoring song is just give me Jesus. And I just pray for the next few moments before we close our service. Please don't slip out. Give us a moment to finish. But for the next few moments, would you just just let this scripture hit you? Let the presence of God begin to do a work within you and just begin to let a cry rise from your lips. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.